Hello, and welcome back to Resonant Reels, the podcast where we talk about movies and television and stuff, sometimes through an audio lens. I swear we'll get better at talking about <laughs> sound design and these things, but you know, it be what it be. I'm Chandler. I'm Adam. And today we are doing some more Breaking Bad. I'm so excited. Hell yeah. I just, st- I just still can't get over how well crafted this fucking like not even just this season this whole this whole narrative from from how well crafted breaking bad as an entity is it's so good it's so good so much yeah so much props to the creative team behind this like the writing team by vince gilligan because this is his creation but like he's got a team of writers to help him like figure out narratively where things go and then like writing individual episodes and making sure like every character gets like touched you know making sure every character gets their plot because like it's it's crazy how much we hop between all these characters like it's such brilliant television writing to like not forget about a character for like half a season and be like oh yeah this this person existed like those characters are just like jesse's you know drug addicted friends that like of course they're gonna be like around sometimes they're like that's who they are. They're just flaky people in general. So, like, that makes sense narratively with them. They're re- they're <clears throat> so weirdly relatable for being characters that I have nothing in common with. And also, like, realistic in a way that I don't even process because it's not like I know anybody like this in real life. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, it's just awesome. But, yeah, we are continuing off the bang that was last episode where literally yeah <laughs> giant shootout in a public parking lot with a cousin dead with his brains blown out another one we know got smashed by a car and hank on the ground bleeding out from multiple gunshot wounds yep crazy and then we hop into episode eight i see you written by jennifer hutchinson and directed by colin buxy all right adam take it away okay so the first thing is this was absolutely a play on words right i see you i see you as an intensive care unit and uh it honestly made me chuckle because um i think i've mentioned before but uh bojack horseman's one of my like all-time favorite shows uh and there is a whole episode about that revolves around this uh like joke of like i see you i S-E-E-Y-O-U versus like ICU intensive care unit. Um, and so I I thoroughly uh, enjoyed that, that pun right off the bat. We start off our teaser. I thought it was interesting that we started, but we tend to do this. We tend to have like a really big thing happen in the episode prior. And it's not the first thing that we jump off with in the following episode. I kind of enjoy that as a as a, a storytelling tool um, in a way because what I've noticed is that what happens instead is we see how that big event is interconnected with other things instead of just picking up with where that big event left off. So we have Jesse who is still like very fucked up from when Hank beat the shit out of him. Uh, but he is getting discharged from the hospital. I think, like, again, uh, we just keep seeing Jesse's character oscillate 
between like having his shit together and being the Jesse Pinkman that we always knew in the beginning and like adore. Um, not that we don't adore the new like remodeled version of him, but like the guy wheels him out, like the nurse, and he immediately tries to light a cigarette and the nurse is like, you have to be another 20 feet from the door to smoke. And he goes, then wheel me, bitch. And <laughs> and I lost it. I thought that was so funny. And the nurse just walks away. He's like, I don't have time for this. But as Jesse's waiting uh, for his ride, there's an ambulance that rolls up. And Jesse's immediately interested in like, oh, an ambulance. Who's in the ambulance? What's going on? And he sees that it's none other than Hank getting wheeled in for immediate surgery. He watches that happen. And he kind of like walks away and Skinny Pete rolls up and picks picks him up. And Skinny Pete is like, damn, like, are you, are you okay? And we see like a very just like straight faced Jesse crack into the biggest smile and almost like, like, I don't know, jubilant face and he goes actually i'm great because all he wanted was for hank to get fucked up and this is exactly what happened and obviously jesse does not understand any of the nuances surrounding the situation whatsoever but he's like damn the guy who beat the shit out of me just got like his karma in jesse's mind i should say i liked it as a teaser but also i was like damn jesse really does have like a a monster streak going right now like to see somebody close to death and being like oh thank god like actually i'm doing fantastic today now yeah it's it's crazy it like that moment to me was just like this is walt's corruption of jesse shining through through all of the bullshit jesse's had to go through like I miss, I miss the Jesse that had so much hope before the tragedy struck him so hard. It's sad. It's sad and terrifying at the same time. It's scary, actually. So then I got sad. We start our actual episode. I didn't realize we were going to have a scene with Gail again actually getting fired by Walt. I was actually really hoping that this was just going to be like, I don't know, like, Gail just never shows up again because I do like I really told you I told you all I liked Gail I think Gail's a cool guy and I had to watch him get his feelings hurt and that sucked and <laughs> like as Walt is like firing Gail he comes up with some wild like excuse to try to be like I'm like classical music and you're like jazz music and there's god knows there's nothing wrong with jazz music and they're just like not compatible and then of course like right then jesse barges into the super lab and he's just cursing and he's beaten up and he's not like you know he, he's just dressed in street clothes he's not you know doesn't dress up for work like gail did and that left gail even more like confused and he's like looking at Jesse like this is my replacement and immediately like it just gets brushed over which is fine but I was like damn we really had to see Gail Gail get sad um which was a bummer Gail leaves and then it's just Walt and Jesse Walt's like all right like let's work and Jesse's like have you like been here all all day and Walt's like yeah and Jesse's like okay and we know that Jesse knows that Walt doesn't know about Hank and so 
we, due to the way that the the scene was written and the way that the the underscoring kind of kicked up and in in that moment, we realize okay, Jesse just told Walt about Hank. So our next scene is is Walt in the hospital uh, waiting room. We've got Skyler, Walt Jr., Marie, um, Hank's partner Gomez, and Hank's boss Merkert, who are all there. Basically, like Walt is like okay, I'm a little, like, <laughs> you know, suspicious. Like, I feel like um, this is maybe my fault. So he's trying to, like, ask Merker, like, discreetly, like, do we have any details? Like, do we know anything? It is explained to him that the DEA knows that it's it was a attack by two cartel hitmen. Merkert says it could either have something to do with what Hank was investigating, which we know is he's investigating the blue meth, which AKA he's investigating Walt, or they said it could just be a message to the DEA in general. And he's like, they had an ax, very dramatic. The cartel are. And like, I thought that was funny, but we find out that the other cousin who got crushed by the car is critically wounded, but technically has survived so far. And we can, we can tell that that's like a, a point of like, uh Oh, ness you know? And so then we have, um, I think it was, uh, Gomez makes a comment about like how Hank was able to like do, do them both in like that without his gun. And that was the first time that Marine knew that he didn't have his gun and she goes off and basically like starts targeting all of her distress at Gomez and at Merkert and just starts reaming them for things that absolutely are not their fault at all. Like the, the, there's nothing, you know, that they are actually at fault for. They were following protocol. They were living their lives like Gomez going to El Paso, like whatever. And she like banishes them from the waiting room basically. And then after Skylar like consoles her for a second, then she turns on Walt and saying, this is all your fault. And she's actually targeting her energy at this point at the right person. Um, however, she goes on to be like, if you hadn't bought pot from Jesse Pinkman, he wouldn't have even known that name. And I was like, damn, uh, RIP, because it's so much worse than that. But then, interestingly enough... Skylar defends Walt and says, like, it's not his fault. You're taking your anger out on people, but, like, Walt has nothing to do with this. And then Marie just, like, keeps sobbing and, and does apologize. And so I think what I'm seeing is what you mentioned, which is people hating Skylar so much that they tried to, like, make her character a little bit more, I don't know, like, in empathetic maybe like to things and i feel like i i actually really saw that come through in these three episodes where i was like she had a she had a full switch like not to say that she's like you know obviously at no point in these episodes is she back on walt's arm or anything like that but like i'm seeing a tone and attitude and like physicality shift in skylar in these episodes, which I think is very interesting. And I'll talk about it more later. There's some other scenes and in, in later stuff. 
So at the hospital, we also get this like montage of a bunch of officers and DEA agents donating blood to help with Hank's like blood transfusions. Jesse keeps calling the hospital. And so they're in the waiting room, like the Schraders and the Whites are in the waiting room. And over the the thing, it, it's like, Walter White to the nearest courtesy phone, please. Walter White to the nearest courtesy phone. And I was like... Oh, my sweet Lord. Like, this is the stupidest fucking thing. And Jesse's basically like, hey, yo, like, where are you? And we need to cook. And Walt is talking to him and he's like, do not call me. This is not the time. Um, Like, this is like, we're not cooking. I like blah, blah, blah. And then Skylar happens to like come into the hallway or whatever. And immediately he changes his tune and like starts talking to Jesse as if like this is somebody expressing their you know condolences for Hank and and things he hangs up whatever and Skylar like walks up to him and is like hey like we should get breakfast for everybody and there's a really interesting moment where Walt is like yeah absolutely absolutely do you know who that was like pointing to the phone like and Skylar just like looks at him and kind of like smiles and walks away and I was like Damn. And like Walt's face is how like I felt. I was like, shit. I was like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> I was like, she like she knows everything now. Like there is no pulling anything over her. She's never gonna trust this man again to that extent, ever, ever. So like I just thought that, that was such a that was a scene that totally could have just been kept out. It really could have like not been in this episode, but I thought it was so important to show us like where Skylar and Walt stand with each other now. Skylar, because it's just the situation, it's just like I will accept whatever right now because Marie and Hank is what matters. But like also you can't trick me anymore, Walt. Like I I know you're bullshit. Like that I ain't taking it anymore. Like that's that's it. Like, I know, like, you and your weird phone calls. I know you're talking to whoever the fuck you're talking to. Like, I know your life. I don't want to know anything more about your life, but don't lie to me. Yeah. And so the Whites and Marie sitting at like food, the food, the hospital food court, which if you've ever been in a hospital food court, I'm sorry. Like, it's just, it's, it's so depressing which is so weird because it's really not any different from any other normal food court, but there is just, it's just sad. And I don't know if it's because it smells like hospital. I don't know, but Marie is clearly like not doing well and there's water spots on her fork and she starts like freaking out about them. And once again is targeting her emotions at, you know, uh, something that isn't real slash doesn't matter is like basically says like this hospital is a death trap. Like, how do they expect anybody to survive? And all of a sudden, Walt starts talking. And initially, it seemed like Walt was like trying to keep Marie from spiraling, which he did successfully. But Walt got dark. Like, like he was like, I survived this place. And then starts talking about like, th- he was like, this is where I had my lobotomy. Not lobotomy. Lo- not- or, sorry, not lobotomy. <laughs> that was very wrong. That was very wrong. Wow. His brain surgery, whatever, you know, like lung his, surgery, <laughs> lung. It was his lungs, lung surgery. Oh, my God. Why am I having a stroke right now? Lebectomy, lebectomy, lebectomy. OK, thank God. 
I don't even know what that sentence fucking was. Because uh, he's like, this is where I had my lobectomy. I genuinely think I heard lobotomy and I went through and I was like, yeah, Walter had brain surgery at some point. <laughs> sure didn't. Sure didn't. As he's talking about like that, he just starts, he, like he kind of starts spiraling, but like in a really dark way about like, his fears and his anxieties and how like on his way there he had wished that like he had never wished so badly he had been stuck in traffic because he just wanted a few more moments with his family and like all this stuff and it was crazy and meanwhile everyone's just kind of staring at him Skylar's like crying he ends his like little monologue that honestly started being like I said started normal and then just seemed very out of place for the conversation that was happening at this table but he ends it with quote I survived this place and I'm not half the man your husband is that really seemed to get to Skylar which I thought was interesting because she just kind of like broke down a little bit more and had to like turn away and then Marie seemed to like just kind of get it together but like still didn't eat but like you know, wasn't about to like go down the rabbit hole again. Meanwhile, we get our character Gus, who I still fucking love Gus. Gus is awesome. And he has uh, a phone call from our cartel boss, Juan Bolsa. He's like, I, I guess, you you know, you've heard the, the news or whatever. And he's like, I know that, you know, to, like there was a DEA shootout or whatever. Bolsa is pretty much vaguely in the beginning and then two sentences later just kind of like outright accusing Gus of giving the go-ahead um, to go after the DEA because he was like, I would have never given this approval, which means somebody said like that it was okay. Gus is like, well, surely I don't know what you're insinuating, but that is very strange. Um, and in his even, I'm not going to say anything about anything to anyone tone and he's like i take it then my next shipment is gonna be like delayed bolsa is basically like yeah like give us like you know a while and then he's like but i'm sure then you also heard that uh one of them survived and as soon as he's talking we'll we'll know the truth that is how gus learned that the one brother like lived and we can kind of see gus being like hmm Okay, like interesting. Guess we'll guess we'll find out. And he's like, Well, please keep me he says, keep me apprised. Um, and I was like, Wow, what a like sleazy business guy who's actually so cool, calm, and collected. And so right after that, uh, Hank gets out of surgery. Walt, he goes to get like stuff to like brush teeth and like wash faces and stuff, because he's like, Is anybody else desperately wanting to like brush their teeth? And in doing so, the lobby is filled with cops and DEA agents and Gomez sees and he's like hey why don't you come like check out the the fucking assholes room or whatever which is the cousin who survived and they go up there it w this was something out of a horror film for me this was this was creepy. The, I did not like this, like in a good way. I was like, I could have actually gone the whole show without seeing that. They're all up there and Gomez like taunts him. He He's like, I, I forget what he says, but he says something into the ICU room. The, the cousin wakes up, turns his head, sees Walt, goes wide-eyed and just starts ripping out all of his like medical 
wiring um, that is attached to him throws off his blanket, which is how we see Homeboy has no legs. Uh, he is he had to fully have like a, a double leg amputation, and they're all bandaged. And he launches himself off of the hospital bed and starts crawling towards Walt, not breaking eye contact, absolutely staring him down. Meanwhile, there's blood trailing from his legs because he's like ruptured his wounds again by doing this. Finally, like the doctors and some officers like collect him off the ground and like have to subdue him and put him back on the bed. Um, But it was horrifying. Meanwhile, Walt is watching him horrified and you can watch on Walt's face that he like he knows he's like he's like oh fuck this directly has to do with me like there's no way that this guy is just crawling after me for no reason and I'm sorry but just the image of him crawling with his bloody stumps dude like that that fucked me up I was like this is horrifying yeah it, yeah it looks like something out of the freaking grudge dude and that, and that plays on this this theme of the episode title further of like the ICU yeah the cousin sees Walt and it's like a whole weird situation and you got like Gomez there being like what the hell is going on no idea nobody knows why they just think he's you know crazy basically at this point like he's just an assassin that's what they keep calling them is like the assassin so Walt's in the hospital this whole time and Jesse's just fucking around in the like lab basically like he's he's inflating his hat of mat suit with an air hose he's trying to give himself like a blowjob with like the fucking vacuum thing from the ceiling like He's just out here doing whatever. And then Victor walks in. Victor is the henchman assistant of Gus that we, you know, met way back when Walt was initially doing the very first drop with Gus. He's like, why aren't you cooking? And that was kind of like it. And we were like, okay. And then Jesse contacts Walt again. This time, Walt is literally in the lobby surrounded by these DEA agents answering the courtesy phone with Jesse on the other end and being like, he's like, Reverend, so good to hear from you again. Um, And he's like, why don't I call you back from my cell phone? And so Walt like runs outside and he like, Jesse's trying to be like, yo, Victor's like, we're in, we're in trouble. Like the, you know, Meth is due tomorrow, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, Walt is like, do you remember Tuco saying that there were people coming from Mexico to get us? And Jesse was like, yeah. And he was like, who did he say they were? And then they come to the conclusion, oh, it was the cousins. And so they were like, the cousins were coming to get them from Mexico. Walt is now kind of piecing it together. But Jesse really doesn't think like anything of it. And he's like, hey, we have to cook meth, but now Walt's Walt's gears are are turning. Funny thing about that uh, that scene with Jesse just messing around and stuff in the lab by himself, which is hilarious because he's just like you know punching things and slapping the big medical equipment and just messing oh, yeah, around. absolutely fucking. It, around. I, it's kind of hard to hear with like the music that they put on during the scene, but like wait, he's playing with his zipper at one point and he's singing a song, fallacies, fallacies, one for you, two for me. That's actually lyrics from their made up band. Because remember back in like, was it like season one or whatever? 
Jesse had like a high school band. He was oh part my god, of, yes, with Badger, right? Called like yes, and that and the guy that he tried to stay with, whose wife came home and then was like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So that's there's that's from lyrics from their song Fallacies from their band called I think it's Twat Hammer with a bunch of random umlauts over some of the vowels. It's <laughs> that is epic. It's great. That is actually it's very great. cool. Thank you for that fun fact. I recommend Googling the song. It's kind of just funny, ridiculous of just like, you know, lore of the show bullshit. It's just fun. It's just fun. Hell yeah. Wait, that's awesome. So uh, Walt returns with, you know, the toothbrushes and everything and they're chilling. And then uh, Walt Jr., Flynn, I think I'm just going to call him Jr. I think that's what I'll stick with. He asked uh, Walt to grab a book and... Walt grabbed it and when giving it to him, he was like, what is like, why do you want this? And he was like, Uncle Hank gave it to me. It's about the agents who uh, got Pablo Escobar. And and he was like, when Uncle Hank was giving it to me, you know, he was like, you know, you always hear about Pablo Escobar, but you never hear about the guys who actually like detained him. Fun fact about that. Sorry. So fun facts galore right here. So, so yes, of course, it's about Pablo Escobar. A film later that Brian Cranston starred in was the infiltrator where it's about the agents who caught Pablo Escobar and Brian Cranston plays one of those agents. Fun Wait, fact. no way. Great movie. It is actually a great movie. Check it out. Cool. I fuck with that. Then um, Walt gets a call and it's Gus. And Walt basically lies. He's like, yeah, we've been really hard at work. Sorry, honestly, we're not going to be able to meet uh, this week's quota because of Gail and throws it all on Gail. He's like, Gail just made mistakes and we're going to be short, but I can get you double, which would be 400 pounds uh, next week. Uh, Gus is basically like, do you promise? Like, do I have your word? And Walt's like, absolutely. Like you have, you have my word. Like, and he's like, okay. And then, like, no questions asked. But then, like, they're at the hospital still, and Walt and Gomez are talking. Gomez thinks that Walt is, like, very anxious about people coming to finish off the job on Hank. But really, really, Walt's like, I think I'm going to die. And Gomez is like, you're chilling, you're chilling, it's all good. Hank, uh, or Gomez's cell phone rings, and he gets off and he goes, yo, do you like Los Pollos Hermanos? Uh, because it's getting delivered. And he's like, Gus is uh, going to personally deliver uh, the food for every cop in the building. And Walt immediately just has this like, moment because he's like oh my god everything is everything is making sense and also everything is going to shit and so our next scene is gus hanging out with marie and the whites in the waiting room walt is obviously like well now gus knows that i'm not at the lab working so like that's fucked up and brings up that Gus is offering a 10 grand reward for anybody that has any information about the shooting. This is where Gus reveals that he met Hank and that he actually knew who Walt was because of the collection jar for Walt's treatments that he saw at the office. There is a moment in the lobby surrounded by DEA agents that Gus and Walt are talking he was like, 
I promise, like, Hank is not a threat. Like, you investigated me, and Gus is like, any good businessman is going to investigate who they're doing business with. Walt is like, is is you being here, like, a message to me? Like, am, like and Gus says the quote, I hide in plain sight, same as you, which I was like, damn, it's good. It's good. And Walt is like, you know why I'm doing this. And he was like, do, do I need to be worried about my family? Gus is like, the the assassin is in critical condition, you know, very unlikely to survive. Now shake my hand and say thank you. And and I was like, oh, that was kind of sexy. I was like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and so Walt like has a brief moment of like, wait, what? And then he's like, oh, and then like shakes his hand. He's like, thank you again, uh, Mr. Fring. Like, thank you so much. Blah blah. blah. As they part ways, we get a wide camera shot of who other than Mike our cleanup guy uh, returning, walking away as the assassin, aka the cousin, is flatlining in his hospital room. And we can piece together that Gus bringing in chicken was a big-ass distraction for everybody. Mike did something that caused the dude to die. And he did. He, He died. He was not resuscitated. And Walt and Gomez um, and a bunch of other agents like wind up at the room as they are like basically announcing that he is dead. And therefore, Mike is able to slip away. And he had a syringe um, that he was like throwing into a sharps box. So he he did something. I don't know what he I don't know what exactly it was, but it was something. And I was like, damn, that was so well orchestrated. It was crazy. Uh, it's late at night. Gus is back at Los Pollos Hermanos. This is one of my, I think, favorite moments that has happened throughout this show so far, which is crazy because it's so simple and it's not very long, but I ate it up. I was like, oh, give it to me. So Gus gets another call from Bolsa and he's like, so I'm just supposed to assume that you have absolutely nothing to do with this because now there's, he says, federales and like U.S. government in my rose bushes. And basically like, and you can tell like Bulls is kind of like not ducking down, but he's kind of like hunched. He's not standing super straight. Like there's guys in the house with him who have like guns who are kind of like sticking close to the wall. Like they're, they're being very aware of where all of these um, American and Mexican like federal agents are. Basically Bulls is like, I think this is what happened and goes on to be like, you uh, did all of this. Like, this is all your orchestration. But he was like, but guess what? I My my brother's a, the, a police chief or something like that. And he's like, I, I'm going to get out of this. I always do. They're going to save me. And then all of a sudden, there's like broken glass sound happens. And you're like, oh shit, like they broke into the house. Like they're making their move to take these guys down. And Bolsa tries to run. And as he opens the door, all we see is like we become Bolsa as the audience in terms of our like shot that we have. And we get gunned down quick with a machine gun. And Gus is just listening uh, on uh, on the other end of the phone to like all of this. And then smiles, breaks the flip phone in half, tosses it in the trash. And I was like, whoa that was crazy but that scene was so well built up to that scene itself like was so well paced like i truly did not think that that was how that was gonna go at all and like 
that's surprising to me. Like, but I, I did not see that coming. I, it literally happened. And I was like, I was watching it on my computer and I was like, what the fuck? Like out loud in my hotel room. I was so in it. Then we, we end the episode in a really cute way. Uh, Walt is in the, the waiting room with the family and Skylar has fallen asleep with her head on his shoulder. Again, I think that just that just shows us this interesting relationship that they have with each other right now. But the doctor comes in and says, like, you know, you're allowed to see Hank. And they all get up and he's like, we only allow immediate family. She's like, we're all family. And then they all go in to see Hank. And he's like all, you know, tubed up and everything and whatnot. But Marie kisses like Hank's forehead and they like hold hands and they just kind of like exist in that room together and that's how the episode ends so we go again from like a really big event to like this kind of like a byproduct of said event in a in a weird way it's so well done in the pacing of the show to not exhaust you because that's the fear that like the show's just gonna get exhausting because of just the craziness it gets to but like it doesn't it does a good job of the pacing to keep telling the story and be interesting and like still surprise you. Cause like you had no idea about all of this, like Bolsa Federale stuff. You're like, what is this whole world going on? And I'm here. Like I've got outsider knowledge being someone who's watched all of better call Saul. And I'm like, Oh, I, I see this coming now because of all this gained knowledge I have. But like it's still cool though. It's still cool. Like the twists still do work. Cause I, it, yeah, for me I was just like, oh shit, this is happening. I wasn't expecting it in this episode. But like when the scene happened, I was like, oh shit, this is happening right now. This is exciting. So Better Call Saul is takes place before. It's like a prequel. Yeah, which we'll get into when we eventually get there. Yeah, so it's it's both a kind of like epilogue for this like story as well as a prequel. So like more understanding of who Saul Goodman is as a person, which is very interesting. One last fun fact about this episode. I guess it was just, it's like a thematic trend that I don't know if you've been picking up on, but like we see like more in just an everyday life kind of thing. Walt's super detail orientedness because there's that table in the waiting room that's like tilting and it's driving oh, yeah. crazy. So he's like, he had I to have like to fold fix up the it. paper and everything. Yeah, yeah. And that's just been a thing that's just like happened. Like he's always been that way. And we've seen that multiple times in the show. It's just we're so used to it because he's extra precise cooking mess, right? Being a chemist. But he's like that with everything in his life. Like that's like the dry rot that that was happening in the house like he noticed a small weird smell and he's like there's a crack it open yeah so it's just very interesting to see that part of walt just in everyday life you know and like everyone understanding that's who walt is because like no one said anything they all just watched him do it they were all like ah okay again but yeah that's gonna bring us into episode nine right kafka-esque exciting uh written by peter Gold and George Mastras and directed by Michael Slovis. Um, so my thing was, so I know Kafka, like Franz Kafka, as a as a novelist. Uh, I mean, I think the most famous work he probably has is The Metamorphosis. And so I did want to look up like what 
the definition of Kafka-esque was because I was like, I can I can draw conclusions being familiar with, you know, having to do like three months of work on him in AP Lit. Uh, but the succinct uh, definition is having a nightmarishly complex or like bizarre quality or illogical quality. So nightmarishly complex, bizarre or illogical quality. And I was like, that makes sense because also like, I don't know, the metamorphosis was crazy and sad and oppressive, which is another word that seems to come up uh, a lot with this. And it's just like feeling very out of place but everything seems like it's normal, but like you don't feel like it's normal. So going into this episode, I was, uh, I, I had ideas and then I looked up the definition after and, you know, filled in, filled in pieces. So our teaser for this was actually quite cute. There was a, there was an old school television commercial for uh, Los Pollos Hermanos, uh, just talking about like the slow cooked chicken done the right way and like all that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um, it immediately segued into uh, Walt and Jesse handing off all of their shipments of the blue meth. And then like at Gus's uh, like plant, those bags of blue meth being put into fr- like gallon, five gallon buckets of fry batter. And so to go from like, you know, slow cooked the right way, down home fried chicken. And then it's like... <laughs> Now we're putting meth in the fry batter, like to transport it. it was so just fun. Those were just uh, like loaded up, sent away, and we are left with Gus's like silhouette watching the trucks of meth depart out into the out into the southwest. And that that kind of plays off of the Kafka esque thing too, because like also people relate to Kafka esque things as like all these individual jobs part of this mach- like overall machine but not understanding what the the true intent or uh purpose and how jobs connect to each other are like you're just like i just do this one thing i don't know what i'm doing but i'm doing this one thing and i'm not gonna ask questions to upset the machine just gonna be my little cog and i'm gonna keep turning <laughs> yep so our episode starts officially. Walt and Jesse have been cooking and they're a little bit over like the amount. And Jesse's like, no, like let's take it out. And Walt is like very adamant that they send it to Gus as is. Jesse's very upset by that. And we find out it's because Jesse has done the math, but we find out that Walt, Walt also did the math that in this agreement, they're getting $3 million for three months, but that Gus will make $96 million in this arrangement. And Walt's basically like, you should be happy to be a millionaire and like just leaves. He's like, I'm not having this argument with you. Like, whatever. I kind of get it. I, I definitely get Walt's perspective too because Walt knows how, or at least has an inkling right now about how powerful and how, I don't know, connected Gus is. And I I really think that Walt is operating from a place of this is a good arrangement and we're not going to piss off the guy that the arrangement is with. Whereas Jesse is operating from like a a more self-serving place. Walt's actually like scared. Yes. For like the first time. Like previously he's, he's dealt with, you know, the criminal drug trade, but they were like, amateurs compared to Gus you know like Gus is like this 
streamlined secret professional and it scares the shit out of Walt now because like Walt's found out that they were being hunted by these cousins they went after Hank instead for whatever reason Walt's still trying to figure it out Walt knows that the last cousin was purposefully killed in the hospital or at least he has an inkling for it because he is like this was too good to be true and also like the timing like Walt recognizes the timing because of his relationship now with Gus so like there is a further paranoia because like what else has Walt missed in the last few months like he is scared now so he's like nope not gonna fuck up not gonna fuck up anymore and except he keeps kind of low-key fucking up but like uh (laughs) so but not in this episode he's pretty it's pretty chilling on this episode. Gomez returns and he asks Marie, he's like, can I come in? And she's like, yes. And so he starts talking to Hank and he like tries to show him a map of being like, look, you were so right. The blue meth has popped up everywhere and it's huge and whatever. But Hank's in so much pain that like he doesn't really, you know, deal with much. But Hank does say that the only reason he survived was because he got a phone call telling him that two guys were on their way to kill him and that the only reason he's alive is because he got that warning and skylar watches hank or sorry skylar watches walt listen to everything hank's saying um and we're watching walt listen to everything hank's saying and Everything just keeps absorbing. So Walt goes to leave and Skylar pops up and she gets in his passenger seat and is basically like, is the family safe? And he's like, yes. And she's like, are you safe? And he's like, absolutely. And you can just tell that he's not sure. She puts on that same smile she had like at the phone in the hospital earlier and she gets out of the car. Because that moment, it's like, like, Walt's confident that the family is safe. He's not sure he's safe, which is crazy. So, like, he lies. He lies, but, like, he has that hesitation. And Skylar picks up on that, knowing who Walt is, right? Like, she knows Walt more than anyone else now, especially now that she's figured out he's been a criminal for, like, the last year or so. But, like, also hopping back to that the hospital scene with Hank and Gomez, Hank is becoming, like, super honest now. Who knows? It could be the drugs and the pain and everything. But like, he's just honest with himself. Like, he's like, I barely made it out alive. And also, I was over obsessing about this blue meth. Like, he admitted that he was like, I was only a a dollar short and a day late. Nothing special. I was obsessing over that for no reason because I was avoiding my trauma from when I was in El Paso. Like that's like, like Hank kind of just admits that to everyone because he's like finally like admitted it to himself that like, no, like I, I did this to myself because we, he started on that road of recovery before the shootout. Like he was like with the whole being the shit out of Jesse, he, he had this grounding moment of like, I fucked up. Like I am not okay. And I am not handling it. And I need to fix that about myself. And he's he's trying to get through that. But now he's just, just like this beaten up person, a horrible physical state. So like it's a it's a mountain he's climbing now instead of just like a rocky hill. We find out Jesse's still attending his support group meetings, which is very good. And he's telling the truth 
but he's he's omitting some details, um, saying that he works for a boring corporate laundromat. And even the guy's like a corporate laundromat. Yeah, he's like my boss is a dick, and my and my, the owner is a super dick. Um, and he's like, and apparently I'm not like what is it? I'm not important enough to like meet him or be graced with his presence. He just like keeps talking about this and and. We get the word Kafka-esque in the episode from the support group leader telling Jesse that that's his situation. And Jesse clearly has no fucking idea what it means at all. And he's like, yeah, yeah, like really, really Kafka-esque. Like, it was just very funny. He's like, totally. You know, the support group guy has no idea how right he is. Uh, and, And it was just very, like, funny to see, you know, the Jesse who's just some normal dude who, you know, just trying to be like, yeah, uh-huh. Like, we've all been there. We've all pretended to understand something that we had no idea. Then we're back at the hospital. And this part was hard. This part was hard. The doctor starts doing a feeling test on Hank's legs initially couldn't feel like the touches on his feet. Um, But as the doctor worked his way up the leg, it seemed like he was feeling things. What I was trying to decipher, and there wasn't anything necessarily that led me to this. It was just like, I just feel like I know Hank's character now in this arc he's having was I was like, is he lying about having feeling Because he, there's, everybody was in the room, right? Like, everybody, including Marie, was like, oh, please, God, I hope you have, like, feeling, like, returning, whatever. And it didn't seem like that was the case. It seemed like he maybe actually was having, you know, feeling return, which was good. And Marie makes a comment of, like, when are we going to be able to get him walking again? And our next scene is, like, a sit-down with Skylar and Marie with um, the doctor and... uh, Someone, whoever, I think it is technically, it's like your caseworker um, when you, you know, have to have like really long-term ICU kind of stuff and talking about like insurance and policies and plans and all of that kind of stuff. And Marie ultimately is like, I don't give a shit about any of this. I will pay for everything out of pocket and hope for reimbursement. Um, I want the best like physical therapists, like whatever. And you know, the woman tries to, the staffer tries to like advise her and is like, I've seen families go bankrupt, you know, waiting for reimbursement. She said like, this is just the beginning. There's, there's stuff beyond physical therapy, like, and starts listing off, you know, all of the medications and recovery tools and, you know, home uh, remodeling that might have to get done and, and all of that, you know, stuff. Um, and Marie basically is just like, I don't care. I'm going to arrange his I'm going to arrange Hank's care myself. Um, And that was like the end of the conversation. Uh, She asked the doctor, like, you know, what, who, who's the, who is your best physical therapist? And he's like, I can give you some recommendations, but they won't be on your plan. And she's like, I don't care about the plan. And like the end, Um, which like, I think did a really good job at showing like a, how fucked up the American medical uh, like system is in terms of insurance and paying for literal life-saving care, but also the 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 desperation that exists um, when families are are going through that and like you know sometimes you don't think clearly. You're like, I just need my person to get better without you know really truly acknowledging all that 
entails um, potentially in the future. So then we've got, okay, so Saul and, Je- and Jesse, we, I literally was like, what is happening? Saul is just at a nail spa and there's two women. One is rubbing his hand. One is rubbing his foot. They're alone. It's literally the three of them until Jesse walks in. And uh, it's like, the, I don't even think the lights were on in the nail spa. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, it just didn't even look like it was actually functioning. Ultimately, he was like, oh, where's Walt or whatever? And. Uh, Jesse's like, I don't give a shit, like whatever. And Saul's like, okay, well, I was going to make you guys flip a coin, but since you're the only one who showed up, um, here you go. Congrats. It's yours. And basically has offered Jesse this nail uh, salon for, I think it was like $312,000 and it is his surefire way to launder the money that they're going to be getting. But in this, we also find out that Saul's fee for Jesse is still 17%. It's only 5% for Walt. And so Jesse's just like pissed throughout this entire conversation, hates the plan, hates the fact that he has to launder money. And then in Saul's explanation too, he was like, because the IRS will get you. Like that, like big tax man is gonna see young guy, beautiful house, no job, spending money like nobody's business. He's like, what are they going to think? And Jesse's like, that I'm a drug dealer. And he's like, wrong. Tax evasion, even worse. And like, <laughs> and uh, then basically the conversation ends with Jesse being like, so I need to launder my money so I can pay taxes. And it was just like very like, damn, welcome to the real world. And he's like, he's like, I'm a criminal. And Saul's like, yeah. And if you want to stay a criminal and not, oh, let's say a convict, then you need to you, like buy this place and launder your money through it. Which I was like, damn, that's actually really smart. Like, it's actually really smart. I do fully believe that there is an Italian import store in Tucson, Arizona that is absolutely a money laundering front for the, for the mob. I do very much believe that. I won't say the name of it. If you're from Tucson, you might know what I'm talking about. Um, Every time you roll up, it's just big Italian men and Cadillacs and like meetings happening in the back deli area. Um, Amazing Italian imports. But now I watched this episode and I was like, yeah, I'm I. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Like this is. Yeah, for sure. Then we have. a Okay. This scene for me pieced it all together because I was like. Walt lays it all on the ground and he lays it all on the ground for the audience as well, which is perfect for me. Walt meets up with Gus and where they're meeting is where Gus met with the two cousins and Bolsa when he was initially like, Walt is off limits until I'm done doing business with him. And so Walt meets him there in this, you know, like portable building, temporary portable building. Walt is basically like, I want to clear the air because I feel like there are, there are things that could be misconstrued between us. And I just want to make sure that we are exactly on the same page about everything. And Walt literally goes, here is what I think. And he goes, I think that the cousins were after that the assassins he's cause he says the assassins, that the assassins were after me and that I was protected And instead, they were steered towards Hank. And I think that you protected me to do that. But I also think that by doing that, you were putting like eyes on the cartel 
with the DEA because if the supply coming from across the border was cut, then the uh, somebody, let's say, on the other side of the border here in the Southwest uh, would have the entire market to themselves. And if they were able to, oh, I don't know, domestically produce here and they did not need the cartel, then they would have everything that they wanted. And basically, as Walt is talking, Gus, by the end, because, oh, because Walt also says something along the lines of like, and I want you to know that like, I respect you and I appreciate you and if I were in, he's like, it, it, it was a, it was an incredibly smart business strategy. And if I were you, I would have done the same thing. And, and basically, like, Walt does this thing where he is, like, playing low status to Gus in order to be high status in the unspoken social interaction that's happening there. And it works because by the end of it, by the end of Walt talking, Gus smiles ever so slightly in the way that Gus does. And Walt's biggest thing was just, I want to make sure that my family remains safe no matter what happens, because we have also not established what happens at the end of this three-month deal. Uh, Gus is like, okay, what if, let's say, open-ended like open-ended deal, um, a $15 million a year contract. We don't necessarily see whether or not Walt agrees, disagrees, if they have any further conversation. But what we do see is Walt driving home absolutely recklessly, hitting about 90 miles per hour, closing his eyes, drifting into the opposite lane and almost getting demolished by a semi-truck. And he peels out just in time, as you do in shows like these, spins around, you know, winds up off-road. He pauses for a second and then he literally turns on his turn signal to get back onto the road and start driving normally. And I was just like, dang, like what a good analogy in and of itself for Walt's like life right now. Like he's almost getting flattened at every corner. He narrowly gets out of it. And then he very methodically turns on his blinker and gets right back on the same road. And I was like, Oh, I just thought that was very good. thought it was very good. And then Jesse's back at another group meeting. And this was a very cute story that Jesse tells about a classic tale that I think a lot of people can relate to of being in school and um, slacking off and a teacher showing an interest in you. And um, his story was about building a box. And he was like, I just wanted to get it done and then fuck off for the rest of the semester. So he was like, so I turned in the box and he was like, and the teacher asked me very genuinely, is this the best you can do? And he was like, and I didn't feel judged. It's, it seemed like he was genuinely asking, like, is this all you've got? And he said he spent the rest of the semester, he made like five boxes and it ended with him making like this beautiful, like hardwood inlaid, stained, like beautiful box that he, and I thought it was interesting he added this part, but that he gave to his mom. The, the group leader basically tells Jesse, you know, like it's never too late to feel like you can try harder. It's never too late, like, like to, to realize that that's not all you've got. Then out of nowhere, Jesse's like, 
okay, yeah, I didn't actually give it to my mom. I traded it for an ounce of weed. And I was like, oh my God. And there it is. I was like, we have this, this beautiful story, beautiful story. And like the way that Aaron Paul acts this scene is stunning. It is, it is so like watching the, all the different emotions go across his face and the way he's delivering this monologue. I loved it. I loved this moment. And then to just button it with, yeah, the last part was a lie. Uh, like it was so good. It was so good. And, and it also just shows us Jesse's clearly still struggling with stuff. Okay. Ted resurfaces very briefly. Ted shows up to Skylar's house as Skylar and Marie are there. And Marie is the one who's like, oh, come in. And then once he's in the house, she's like, oh, I'm going to take a bath. And then like leaves Skylar and Ted alone. And we find out that Skylar has been like ghosting him for the last few days and all this stuff. And he's like, I don't see what the big deal is. You're divorced. I'm divorced. Child's like, are you? Because I know Walt signed the papers, but did you turn the papers in question mark? We don't necessarily know. She's literally like, are you seriously going to make me do this right now? Like, are you seriously going to make me talk to you about this right now? And Ted's like, I'm sorry. You're right. Take as much time as you need. But like, you can tell that he kind of got the message at the same time. He was like, oh, okay. Like there's something that needs to be talked about that is exactly just what I needed to know because he can infer a lot, you know, but him showing up was a, was a fun little surprise. I was not expecting Ted to just show up and neither was Skylar. So, you know, then we're back to Jesse and, uh, he's hanging out with his bros. He's with Badger and Skinny Pete and, uh, there Badger is like, damn, you had to like crush the RV. That sucks. And then they're like talking about the good old days, right? Where they're like, Oh, we could cook anywhere. We could do anything when we wanted, blah, blah, blah. And then Jesse is like, what if like we, you know, kind of got back into it a little bit because uh, there's like a, I, I have a new market that I think that we could like, you know, explore. And I didn't get it at the time. I did not get it at the time. Then he admits that he is like underreporting batch weight when it's, like a couple pounds over. And I was like, damn. I mean, I did low key kind of call that, but like, so then we find out what the business plan is um, and what this new market is. And it's, they're back at the support group meeting. And I'm just like, oh my God, Jesse really is in his villain era. I'm like, you are going to fuck these people's lives up. But who else is at the support group? Badger and Skinny Pete. And the support group leader is like, I see we have some new faces. Would you guys like to talk? Honestly, A plus. Badger, the character, great acting skills. <laughs> Skinny Pete, the character, terrible. I would have called that immediately. But Badger was in it. He said, I am going to get these people. And they're talking about like, like how much their lives have gotten fucked up by this blue meth and how superior this blue meth is to everything. And that's how it like, it like went away from, you know, it disappeared, but now it's back um, in town. And you watch as like all of the other recovering people in this group just start to like perk up and like catch interest and shit. And I was like, that's evil. That's actually evil. That's fucked up. Then the the just mwah, beautiful, beautiful performance happens back at the hospital where Marie, Walt, and Skylar are all together. 
And Marie is like, I'll go to late night shows. I'll do whatever, you know, I'll get this paid for, for Hank. And out of nowhere, Skylar's like, we'll pay for Hank's medical bills. We have the money. And Walt is like, what? <laughs> like, like, like Walt, Walt literally is like, what the actual fuck just happened? He was like, Skylar, I, uh, 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 and she's like, no, I think, I think Marie needs to hear the truth. Like, Walt's like, Skylar, I really don't think that's a big guy. Like, I, and, and it's like, he is panicking. First of all, he's like, you just offered my money, uh, that I got for our family. Second of all, you're about to tell the DEA agent's wife that I'm selling drugs, question mark. And oh my God, Skylar goes into this beautifully crafted tale about how Walt got addicted to gambling. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Like had every detail figured out, flushed out. And even Marie was like, so the fugue state was that? And Skylar was like, no, that was real. The night before, Walt lost $14,000. It was everything we had. He was depressed. He didn't know what to do. He couldn't live with himself. And I was like, oh my God, holy shit. And it was so, so good. And she was like, he developed a skill for card counting in blackjack. And he, and she was like, and one day she was like, finally his system worked and he figured it out. And he started in illegal back, like blackjack backroom games. And Maria's like flabbergasted. Maria's like, what? And she's like, Walt, how could you do this to Skylar? And Skylar's, Skylar was like, he was doing it for the family. You know, I never understood how like depressed and blah, blah, blah. Like he, um, he truly was. Um, and all this stuff about like how she never really understood, like how it changed him. And she was like, if he had died, he would have left nothing. And she was like, he did it for us. He did it for the family to be able to provide. And they were like, how much Marie was like, how much was it? And Walt was like, like seven figures. And Marie's like, oh my God. And then, and then Marie leaves and Skylar is not facing Walt. And he's like, how, like, when, when did you come up with that story? And she turns around, she looks him straight in the face and she goes, I learned from the best and walks away. And I was like, oh, oh, it was so good. But she didn't walk away right after that. She should have. But they added some more dialogue, which was very much on par. It was very good because she gets very close to him. And she literally tells him that she was like, I have a voice in my head that is telling me that Hank got shot because of you. And she was like, and I am not ignoring that voice. And then she walks away. And Walt's just standing there flabbergasted. The threat. And I love it. And like Skylar's taking power back. And I love it. Because that, that whole monologue is just insane. And just like she gets like the details to the point where it's like Walt started out at casinos, but then he realized your winnings have to be reported to the IRS. So he then went to like the the back alley, like, you know, closed room illegal gambling tables and stuff. And it's just so well crafted. And this whole time you're like, you're watching Marie being flabbergasted, but like I couldn't help watching Walt also be flabbergasted. And like, it's like, Walt, you are not playing into the lie right now. Like if Marie looked over at you at one point at all with your face, with your jaw dropped down to the ground, man, this lie would not be pulled off. <laughs> it was insane. 
was so good. And that's how we end that episode. Another thing I love was um, back when Jesse's with Badger and Skinny Pete eating at a restaurant or whatever. They're hanging out or whatever. The dialogue in that scene is like, it's one of my favorite scenes. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Because like Jesse starts off being like, like he's, he's just like being outraged about how he can't be like a criminal anymore. And it, yeah, he's like, it used to be so easily like now I have to pay taxes. Like what the hell's up with that? That's messed up, yo. That's Kafka-esque. Like Kafka-esque keeps being thrown around in this episode like crazy, but I'm for it because Jesse trying to be like, Yo, I'm cool. I'm hip. I'm with the game. And like even like another line from this is like, he goes like, what's the point of being an outlaw when you got responsibilities? And then Badger's like, Darth Vader had responsibilities. He was responsible for the Death Star. Skinny Pete's like, true that. Two of them bitches. And I'm like, fucking love these guys. It's so good. Yeah. A couple, couple of fun trivia from this episode. Um, The opening montage, I forgot to mention. The, the music under there is is a song called Bolivia Theme. It's a variation on that from the Scarface soundtrack. So it's got this like kind of like tie to like, you know, organized crime media into it, which is really cool. Especially like Scarface because Scarface like ends up in Cuba, if I remember the plot of Scarface right. I think something like that. So it's got ties in with the drug cartel and stuff, which is really cool. And then... um. There's a moment in the episode where Walt is like cleaning a bunch of the stuff because there's like a scene where Jesse and Walt are cleaning all of the the equipment in the lab and everything because they have to clean it themselves. And like that's the point where like another point where Jesse complains of like, why don't we just have hired help for this and stuff like that? Well, there's like this really beautiful symbolic visual in there where there's like a spot on one of the machines and Walt's trying to get it off but in the reflection that the speck is like perfectly like on his forehead and it's kind of like the symbolism of like the mark of cain if you know that like bible story yes very much so um literally okay total sidetrack rant when i left catholic school the principal like caught I, not caught wind. I guess she knew that my parents were pulling me out of Catholic school. Um, but she called me into her office for my lunch. Like I wasn't allowed to go eat lunch with the kids this one day. She made me eat lunch in her office and she read me the story of Cain and Abel out of the Bible while I ate my lunch in her office. Fun fact. I feel like Cain and Abel is probably one of the most popular Bible stories, but I have a specific like, damn, that was kind of traumatic and weird. And like she made me answer questions and I was like, Okay, I think this is what's happening in this parable. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's beautifully used in the scene with Walt because, like, Walt is pain in this sense because of he is the cause of all of the pain and the suffering that Hank is now in. So it's 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 a very beautiful, just tiny little detail in there from like clever writing and storytelling visually. I love it. Just all I love the nuances throughout these episodes. It's just so good. It's so good. And then this is going to bring us to our last episode that we're going to talk about today, Fly, uh, written by Sam Catlin and Moira Wally Beckett and directed by Ryan Johnson. I don't know if you recognize that name. He is a famous director nowadays for big movies. I'm not going to talk about my opinions of his Star Wars movie he directed <laughs> today. Another time. So this episode is is known as like the bottle episode it's common in television to have a bottle episode meaning it's 
extremely cheap to produce. So this episode is limited locations and super limited cast, right? And it's because Vince Gilligan is just like, to quote him, he knew the season was hopelessly over budget. And so it was necessary to try to make a super cheap episode, but still be compelling enough within the show. And so this is this episode because it's got to be cheap. So like they have like two main cast of the whole show in there. Right. And it's just mostly just one location, two locations. I think it's two locations and that's it. Interesting. Okay. Well, so this episode is, I've said this about movies before, but it's like, it's a lot of nothing, but a lot of, a lot of things uh, at the same time. So it's called fly and immediately our teaser shortest one. I think we've ever had, uh, I think it was literally like maybe 10 seconds long is these like this, like cut, together montage very close-ups of house flies while over top of it we hear skylar singing uh and it's a it's a throwback to when walt was listening in um watching tv and he was listening to the baby monitor and skylar was singing the um, mockingbird song to holly that audio was playing over top of these like grotesque images of these like houseflies that was it that was that was that was the whole thing fascinating yeah our, our i think it is two locations i really do think that's it because we start and the way that this was shot was also a little different than other like or the way i guess i guess i'll say some of the artistic shots were a little different than like things we've seen because our our main part of the episode starts with we are super zoomed in close up on a red light flashing on and off. It's a circle and it's just the only thing we see on the screen. And then we we don't zoom out. We cut out. And all of a sudden we realize that that light is a smoke detector that's flashing. And then we cut out again and Walt is like asleep. Well, not, not asleep. Walt is awake. He can't sleep um, in his apartment. Um, and it's And he's staring at this red light flashing on his smoke detector. It's like 2 a.m. They make a point of showing the the clock and then it immediately cuts exact same shot, but it's 6 a.m. And Walt just like immediately shuts off the alarm clock, which tells us that he didn't sleep. Him and Jesse are in the lab and they are like cleaning everything. Um, so this is now our second location. Well, I should say Jesse's cleaning machinery. Walt is also cleaning machinery. But then at one point, Walt starts to go over his like math for different calculations and he's saying like you know the the numbers aren't adding up like they're consistently short and we learned in the last episode that that's because jesse is uh you know taking some off the top basically jesse tries to like suggest things he's like what about condensation what about evaporation what about spillage and like all this stuff which is very funny and then finally because walt's like absolutely not no 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 and then uh then jesse's like well what about all the sludge i just cleaned out like and walt's like ah like vestiges and and jesse's like yeah yeah vestiges right yeah like and and walt is like that could actually possibly account for like the 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 missing meth because it was it was something like 0.14.15% off but that equates to about uh, a quarter to a half a pound of meth 
um, out of everything that they're, you know, out of these large batches that they're cooking. Walt just starts, he's doing that thing. Like with the table, he's hyper fixating on this thing that is wrong that he needs to like try to fix. And Jesse leaves and Walt just, there's a fly. And this is genuinely what the episode is, is Walt cannot let this fly go. And he starts like trying to kill this fly in every possible way, except ones that are actually like maybe plausible. Um, like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I've killed a lot of flies and I was watching him like try to hit it with shit. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? And anyway, like he is chasing it all over the room. He's like smacking equipment um, with a with his clipboard, like trying to take it out. Like he, he is hyper fixated. He is hyper fixated on getting this fly. And finally, it lands on the ceiling, and he like thinks about throwing his clipboard up. He's like, no, that's not good enough. And he takes his shoe, and he keeps trying to like throw his shoe up, but he misses, and then he like especially misses because he shatters a ceiling light and the shoe gets caught in the ceiling light. And I was like, damn, that sucks. Then he goes up to the like catwalk on the lab with a big ass broom and he's trying to like knock the shoe free, but he can't reach it. And he's, so then he gets the smart idea to move to the other side of the railing. So now he is like, a good, I don't know, maybe like 20 feet, I feel like, 15, 20 feet in the air, not behind a railing, precariously taking this broom and finally being able to reach the shoe and smacking it, gets the shoe to drop down. And then as he does, the the fucking fly lands on the railing like a few feet from him and he takes the broom and he tries to swat it and he falls and he, oh my God, folds like hitting one of the stainless like vats that are like super huge and it falls onto the floor. And uh, first of all, was that a dummy? Because there's no way that was like a stunt. That was a stunt double. That was a stunt double. It was a stunt double. That's crazy because I actually was like, that man's ribs are broken. I, 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 that It looked horrendous. It looked horrendous. I'm shocked. Shout out to that stunt double. I hope he got paid very, very handsomely. That was crazy. That, that stunt double probably had a bunch of padding to protect him. But yeah, it looked good. That was a good hit. It was terrifying. And then Walt's just laying on the floor. And I actually literally was like, damn, are we about to see a storyline where Walt has to go to the hospital now because homeboy broke all his ribs and now we're going to have to see him try to lie his way out of his broken ribs? That did not happen. But then as he's laying on the floor trying to like catch his breath from this horrible fall slash hit, um, the fly lands directly on his glasses. And I, and I was just like, Oh, this is one of those episodes. Like, I feel like we've all seen, you know, of of an episode like this in a TV show. Didn't even put together there's like a bottle episode, you know, but just this like character is attempting to do something and just literally cannot, 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 cannot. And it's antagonizing and and poking fun and all this stuff. Uh Walt or uh Jesse gets back to the lab and he sees Walt's car parked outside. There's a sad moment that I caught, and I was like, Dang, in Jesse's ashtray, there's a cigarette and it had lipstick on it. And we can put together that it was left by Jane. Shout out, RIP Jane. 
And instead of throwing it away, he just puts it right back where it was because he clearly was still is is still affected, which is more than understandable, and and couldn't throw it away. So as Jesse uh, literally forces his way into the lab because Walt has turned on the air pressure in there, and he's like, "There's a contamination," and Jesse's like, "What the actual fuck is happening? And what are you talking about? And did you go home last night?" And because um, Walt is like full manic right now, like he is he is actually having like an episode. Uh, he has had a a total lack of sleep now for two days and he is just trying to get this fly and jesse's like a fly and and jesse's like i'm trying to get this like meth made and we only have like a couple hours and walt literally like refuses to let jesse work on the meth in any possible way is like smacking his hands shutting it in vats if if jesse tries to open them because he's like the fly has to be caught first it's a contaminant it's a contaminant like blah 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 and as that's happening, the fly lands on Walt's side of his face and he tells Jesse, he's like, do you see it? And Jesse's like, yeah. He's like, get it. And Jesse's like, get it. And this is after Walt just like hurt Jesse's hand in one of the the pieces of equipment. And Jesse's like, oh, I'll, I'll get it. And he's like, and, and he was like, takes this like device that Walt has like made that's supposed to be like a fly swatter takes it and just oh my god swings and hits the fuck out of Walt's head and like they don't know if they got the fly but Jesse's like adamant that they did but Walt literally starts crawling around on the ground trying to find the fly and Jesse's like oh see it's right there and Walt picks it up and is like it's a raisin and then Jesse's like maybe we should go outside like like you know, this clearly this fly is very clever, like blah, blah, blah. Walt is like, yeah, 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 okay, okay. And then Jesse gets outside the door and Walt like takes his keys and then locks the lab. And like, oh my God, like, I don't know. We're just witnessing a whole new Walt right now, like a very manic Walt that we have not seen. Jesse even makes the accusation when he like sees Walt in this like crazy state of like, did you have some of the mess? Like, did you take a hit of our supply? Like, none of this makes sense. Like, this is brand new Walt to everyone. And like, Jesse has seen mostly everything of Walt at this point. But like, this is new. This is something else. This is something totally different. So Jesse's like, okay, you know what? Sounds good. And then shuts off the circuit breaker for the uh, the lab. That was smart but also crazy and then Walt immediately just like trips and shit goes everywhere and all this stuff powers back on and Jesse shows up outside of the door after the power comes back on he's like thought you could use some reinforcement or something like that and he shows up with like a whole bunch of like sprays and glue traps and all this stuff and Walt is like the only thing we can use is the glue strips that are non-toxic because he's like, we're making meth. We're not going to like further contaminate with pesticides and things. And so they just start hanging them throughout the lab. So now there's this beautiful lab with just like a bunch of fly trap paper hanging from the ceiling everywhere. And then Jesse makes some coffee and he slips some sleeping pills into Walt's coffee cup because Jesse's like, dude's got to fucking get it together. They're like sharing stories back and forth. 
And like, so Jesse starts telling about a story about a possum named Scrabble that, uh, that his, his, um, I think it was that his aunt had that like started living underneath the house, whatever. And all of a sudden, just like in the hospital cafeteria, Walt just spirals into this really dark depression. And we no longer see a manic Walt in this moment. We see a very depressed sad Walt where he literally starts telling Jesse that he has been alive for too long and that like he was supposed to die basically and because Jesse was like are you saying you want to like kill yourself and Walt's just basically just says like I've lived too long like not that he necessarily wanted to kill himself but that he was supposed to die at some point and because he he started by being like I'm still in remission like I'm still healing and Jesse's like that's great but Walt clearly does not think it's great. He's He talks about like how guilty he feels about everything, how angry he is, like that he can't come up with the words to make Skylar get why he's done everything that he's done. And then he slips further down this path trying to figure out when the perfect moment for him to have died would have been. He starts, you know, starts talking about like, oh, I wanted to do it at this time, but it wasn't the right time. Um, Because I didn't make enough money to leave the family yet. And then he's like, oh, I know. I know when the perfect moment would have been. And when I tell you the anxiety I had as he started going through this story, I was like, oh, my God. Because the perfect moment for him was he goes, I don't think I ever told you about this. But the night, he said, the night that Jane died, like, would have been my perfect night my perfect moment and he starts talking about how he left to go get diapers he goes you remember the night i i brought you guys the cash and jesse's like yeah and meanwhile i'm listening to this whole thing right and i'm like walt is mentally unwell and i was like is walt about to divulge that like he watched slash helped jane die i was like this whole time i was just on edge being like is it gonna slip out because he starts talking about how he instead he went to this bar he was like and who else could i have possibly met that night but jane's dad donald and he's like walt's getting like sleepier and sleepier throughout this too so he's like really being loose-lipped because of these sleeping pills and stuff and he's like and he's like i didn't know it was him until after the plane crash and he was like and and jesse is immediately interested he's like what'd you talk about and he was like water on Mars and family. And he was, and Jesse's like, what did you talk about with family? And he was like, I told him I had a daughter and he said he did too. And he said, never give up on family. And I, and he was like, and so I didn't. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, here it is. He's going to say he went back to your house. And then he doesn't, he gets up very abruptly and just like stumbles to a new location in the lab basically and continues talking about how that same night he was watching TV and on the baby monitor he heard Skylar singing that lullaby to Holly. He was like, that would have been the perfect moment, like to die. I don't have words for how well that dialogue was written, for how well it was acted, for the emotions I was feeling as like somebody who felt very sympathetic to Walt in that moment, but also was like, you have done a lot of horrible things and I'm praying that you don't reveal one of these horrible things. Like, 
and also watching Jesse and knowing how much this conversation is probably hard for him because Jane got brought up and we just saw him not even being able to put the cigarette in the trash with her lipstick, like all this stuff. When Walt finishes kind of this monologue, the fly starts buzzing around the lab again and Jesse takes it upon himself to fucking get this fly finally he does some very like janky stuff like which i'm sure you know we've all done at some point in this regard but like puts a ladder on um like two tables that are fully on wheels and he tells walt he's like just hold the ladder and walt's literally half asleep trying to like hold this ladder down as jesse's standing on the top which every ladder literally is like hey don't stand here. Um, that's where Jesse was standing as he's trying to like swat this fly and he keeps almost falling. Finally, he just comes down off the ladder because he, he can't. And Jesse sees the fly and swings. We watch this kind of close up of the fly falling down to the floor, spiraling dead. Jesse is like, Huzzah! Like, like super pumped about it. Like, fuck yeah. And Walt is asleep. Absolutely out cold, snoring in the chair. There was there was also a beautiful thing when, when Jesse was like on the top of this ladder when Walt's barely holding it steady. Like, Walt apologizes for Jane. And this one seems like him apologizing for the role he had. But Jesse doesn't know. And Jesse, the whole time, we see a glimpse into how Jesse's actually doing because we've just seen this facade of him becoming this new monster in his monster phase. And Jesse's like still coming to terms with her death. He still feels super guilty about it, but he's like, it's okay. Like, I'm, I will move on from this, but like, she did mean everything to me. And it was like so hard to see that in Jesse. It, it was a beautiful additional glimpse into Jesse that like we've all kind of been waiting for, I feel like as well, of just how how is Jesse really doing? Because he's just in this like monster phase of making bad decisions for himself and just trying to get whatever edge and power he wants at this point because he feels... There's no other option for him now. Like he doesn't see any more avenues and it's just, it's devastating. Then after all that, right, after all of that, they go to leave the the laundromat lab place and Walt basically tells Jesse, he's like, hey, I'm not saying that you're doing this, but if they were to find out that you're like taking meth, I can't protect you. And Jesse gets like immediately defensive and he's like, I didn't like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And like, oh, it was so hard because he is, he is doing that. But also like, yeah, it just, I can see how to Jesse, it would be like, really? I just did all of this stuff for you. I like, we just spent all this time. We just had all these moments and now you're going to accuse me of stealing meth, but it's like, but I am stealing meth, you know? Um, and so I'm sure there's a lot of confliction there. Walt definitely knows too. Like he definitely, he definitely knows. Yeah. And the episode ends. Walt is back in his apartment and he wakes up because there's a buzzing sound and he looks at the smoke detector that he was looking at at the beginning of the episode. And he watches a fly land on that red blinking light on the smoke detector the end 
so here are my thoughts. I don't know like how accurate these interpretations are, etc. However, I do feel like Walt is the fly uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I also think it's very interesting having an episode called Fly after an episode called Kafkaesque, as I mentioned, considering Franz Kafka's most famous book is The Metamorphosis, and that's literally about a guy turning into a beetle. I just felt like there were a lot of really interesting parallels of like when Walt finally was able to get sleep is when the fly got killed. But as soon as he was back in his apartment and the normal day and routine was starting up again, like the, the not obviously the same fly, but like the fly was back. And like this whole idea of like Walt didn't die when he was supposed to die and is just like still around. Interesting. I was playing more off of the, uh, what, what have I always seen? It's it. Walt and Jesse are are they're, they're, this whole hunt for the fly parallels Moby Dick and Walt is Captain Ahab like it feels like that too like they're like because the, the whale in Moby Dick is a metaphor right it's a metaphor for this unattainable thing of of their of their wants and needs and you know future we get to the crux of that because you know Walt is in this like psychosis. Like I, I argue he's in a psychosis at this point. Like he's lost his mind for a hot oh, minute. Oh, very much so. Yeah, he can't get out of the psychosis, and and so I just feel like they're on this like crazy hunt that that just doesn't mean anything because it's it's them. They have to deal with themselves right now and getting through that. But I've never had that perspective of like Walt is also the fly. That's interesting. I don't know. That was just something I was like thinking of as I, as I was kind of pondering on the episode after it ended. I mean, it's just yeah, it's it's a beautiful episode. Like Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul, stupendous job, as always. Like ah, oh, ah, oh, I'm so glad we have this show with them. It was phenomenal. It was so good. An interesting thing I came to notice because I think it was after the first episode we talked about today. I see you. Because I was busy like typing notes after finishing the, ep- the episode, and I and I just hit watch credits so I could have more time before it switched episodes on me. Because uh, I watched these back to back and everything, I didn't realize how beautiful the credits sound is. Like the sound design in the credits are beautiful. Like in ICU, it just picks up where it ended because it was like no dialogue at the end of that episode where they're in the hospital room with Hank, and just kind of picks up that soundscape again but then it slowly morphs into a variation on the main theme that's that like slide guitar and weird texture synths and everything and i was just like holy shit are like all the credits like this cool and so i just it just became a common thing so like kafka-esque it was like a more atmospheric glass chord synth chords variation on the main theme and then for fly this one was really interesting musically in the credits it was like these attacky strings where like it felt insect like with like wings and stuff like that like i like i compare it to like ice pick strings kind of or like fast wings on an insect it was like disjointed and it was like a bit of like a cacophony that then like morphed into a variation of the main theme, but in that string texture instrumentation. And I was like, that's just beautiful. Like props, 
props to like the music creation for just like these original things that like no one hears like no one listens to these i feel like anymore but me now because i'm like fuck i need to go back and listen to every credits now because like holy shit these are amazing i love it but that's just a cool tidbit i just kind of came across and was like holy shit these are like good but yeah i think that that will do it for this episode of breaking bad yeah man what do we got on the docket so last week of February, I was like, you know, let's let's just keep going with themes of the month. And I was like, let's do some black cinema. So like uh, African-American filmmakers and movies they've made. That's that's my idea. What you got? Um, so I picked um, I wanted to do something fun. Um, so I picked uh, Roll Bounce from 2005, directed by Malcolm D. Lee. I love it, dude. I've been wanting to rewatch that movie for so long i'm excited hell yeah i wanted to commemorate john singleton because he passed away in 2019 so i was like let's let's watch poetic justice from 1993 nice those would be two very contrasted like like yeah this is, that'll, those would be good so yeah so those are our movies to wrap up the month of february which is exciting of course this has been Resonant Reels. Please like, subscribe, follow, rate us on all podcasting platforms and things like that. I, I mean, you know, we're on so some of the social medias. I mean, we're I think yeah, we're most hit active. us up directly too. Feel free, you know, find us, say hey. Uh, we're here for recommendations, comments, whatever you got, ideas for us, everything, all the things, all the time. I've been Chandler. I've been Adam, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>